Welcome to the Newtown Big Dreams Podcast, an interview-style talk show that's your gateway to the fabulous and fascinating people who relocated to start a new life. Whether you're new to our podcast or your city, our fellow neighbors from across Canada, North America, and the entire English-speaking world share their stories of reaching new horizons and big dreams. So sit back and relax as we navigate in-depth and intimate conversations with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, executives, creatives, and anyone who can share their story about their new town, Big Dreams. And now, here's your host, Luke J. Menkes. So Brian, great to see you again. This is the third time you've been on my show, and uh, I love that backdrop you've got. Where did, where did you get that? Oh, I got that off the internet. I don't know if you made it, or I'll give them credit, but it's the... Uh... It's the backdrop I've been using for a while. I started using it even before the election because uh, I knew Trump was going to get a landslide, and he mm-hmm. did get a landslide. It's just going to take a little while longer. It's going to take, take some time for that to become evident. But I believe Trump won that election in 2020. Like he said, he won it by a lot. Yep. So I kept that backdrop there. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to talk to you about uh, Trump's lawsuits against big tech big announcement Mm -hmm. a few days ago and for years we've been you know complaining about the censorship and shadow banning all these things and um you know the trolls and people come on and say well this is a private company if you don't like it just go to a different platform and they can censor and they can do whatever they want and it's not covered by the first amendment because it's a private company and it seems like Donald Trump and his lawyers found a way to get around this argument. Oh. Explain to us what's, what's what with this. I don't know if I say they're getting around it. I say they're coming at this from a different angle. They're not okay. getting around it. It's an argument. See, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. I mean, Congress cannot enter its official uh, capacity. The senators can't get on the floor and say, well, okay. That one party has the majority in the a big majority in the house, and they get together and say, "Okay, let's have a vote. Uh, we want to uh, suppress and censor the public statements of our political opponents, and so we're going to have a vote and pass a law to do that." Okay, ah, you can't do that. That's against the First Amendment. The First Amendment does not allow you to do that. Okay, ah, ah. But what if? What if? Individual members of Congress behind the scenes are surreptitiously reaching out to uh, members of big tech, Facebook, Google, Twitter. They're reaching out to these executives and they're saying, look, okay, look, officially, officially, uh, you know, I can't openly and publicly call for you to censor the president. And his supporters, you know, but, but you, you know, you either do this to me or I'll make you pay or you do this to me and I'll give you a big reward, but you're going to do this one way or another. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're doing this behind the scenes. Okay. And in that sense, then, okay. Um, you become an arm of these of- official politicians. You become their censorship arm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Trump's filed this lawsuit because he's pretty sure that there, is, there was coordination going on behind the scenes. There were 
um, official government actors in communication with these big tech platforms behind the scenes, either offering them incentives or threats to get them to do something, to get them to, to censor the president. And so Trump is saying he can, he can prove this. He's saying if, he, if this, this, these, these lawsuits, there's not just one big lawsuit, there's separate lawsuits. But if these separate lawsuits get to discovery, he's going to go in there and, and depose these executives for these various corporations. Mm-hmm. He's going to get um, discovery with the documents. He's going to be able to get his hands on documents. We've already had the emails come out between Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook and uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. We already have those. We already seen some of those emails about mm-hmm. the coordination. Where Zuckerberg is saying, saying to Fauci, he's reaching out saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to help sell, you know, the lockdowns and help, help you sell this uh, to the public? What can Facebook do to help you guys accomplish your agenda? You know, and that's just one thing that they're coordinating on. It wasn't just about um, the lockdowns. It was also about mail-in balloting. And Zuckerberg is doing the switching out at the same time he's sending this $350 million or whatever it was to these targeted counties and, and the battleground states to certain election officials to get them to shape or fortify the 2020 election in advance. All this coordination is going on behind the scenes between these government officials and these big tech executives. And Trump's lawsuit is designed to take that coordination and bring it out in, uh, bring it into a courtroom and prove it. Mm-hmm. That's what trying to do. Is it a First Amendment violation? So the First Amendment says Congress shall pass no law, but these are congressmen and congresswomen doing this. Are they violating the First Amendment or are they just generally uh, fraudulent bad people? Well, there is federal case law that says, okay, okay, let me think of the best way to say this. There's federal case law that things that are forbidden for Congress to do, like voting to suppress their political opponents, okay, mm-hmm. they can't palm that off and do it by proxy by hiring a private company to do it for them. Right. Okay, that's already been established in case law that con- things that are forbidden for Congress to do. I believe um, it was called Terrorism versus Norwood or something like that. Okay, it was 1973. They settled case law. You cannot do this. Congress can't say, okay, well, look, it's not me doing this. I'm just providing incentive to this private company to do it for me, you know. Right. And that makes it legal. And so Trump is saying, well, okay, mm, let's take that to court and let's see if that's legal or not. Yeah. Is it um, is it because we just started to find out that there's this coordination between the private companies and government officials? Why is this lawsuit happening now and not uh, two, three years ago? Like Trump's been complaining about the fake news for over a half a decade. So why why now? Were they coordinating to steal the election two or three years ago? Oh yeah. They coordinating behind the scenes to ban discussion of HCQ mm, two or three I years see. ago. When they're right. working behind the scenes 
to um, coordinate the, the changing of, of the election laws in multiple states on mail-in balloting two or three years ago. Right. You know, they, they were censoring, but they weren't censoring on, on, on this scale, especially mm. about, uh, also about the Hunter Biden laptop. I'm mm-hmm. sure a, a lot of this stuff was coordinated. It was discussed. There were emails, there were text messages, there were phone calls, there was other documentation. Yeah. And Trump's going to try to get his hands on it. And if he does, it's game over. Mm-hmm. Is it, um, does it make sense for most people, most of us who were banned off of Twitter, uh, lost business as a result to try to join this lawsuit? Or... Um, are there enough parties to it that it's going to be successful the way it is? Like, for example, could James O'Keefe join this class action? Well, James O'Keefe certainly had the had the um, case for joining this mm. class action lawsuit. Most of the one of the mill accounts, you know, just a couple hundred followers. I don't know about that. Um, I know there are a lot of people that were banned off Twitter and mm-hmm. with, um, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe um, are one of the most prominent examples because they were recently banned. A lot of this stuff happened back, you know, from November to January was when most of the election-related banning happened. And there was a lot of banning that happened on last year. People trying to talk about uh, HCQ and uh, all these other drugs and the drug treatments. And the the big tech was on a jihad. Um, we all know what's on behalf of the Democrats now. It was all about the election, banning any talk about HCQ, banning any talk about uh, how bad it was that all these election laws were being changed, that Perkins Cooley lawyers like Mark Elias and we're all in these uh, battleground states doing end runs around the state legislatures and getting them, getting these states to change their election laws. Unconstitutionally, it was, not, it was uh, totally against the Constitution. And they claim emergency powers. They want an emergency here. I don't have time to follow this Constitution thing. Got to do this now, you know. Yeah. And, there, and so there was a lot of, lot of this stuff going on. And, um, Interesting. So we should start to see some results from Arizona, Georgia, uh, pretty soon. It's taking a long time. Well, but, we'll, um, we'll get the results from Arizona long before yeah. we get them from Georgia. Georgia's just starting up. Pennsylvania's just making overtures to start up. But mm-hmm. Arizona's going to be first. They say it sometime in August. Yeah. And one of the issues there is that the Maricopa Board of Supervisors, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, is still fighting the subpoena from the state legislature about the routers, they're still, you know, all the, the routers that were used in the election. Mm-hmm. And so now that the counting is done, and, the, and they're, 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 want, they're waiting to do that uh, forensic examination of the, of the digital stuff up there in the, that cabin in Montana, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they have time to litigate this now. Yeah. And it's going to be litigated, and I, I don't envy the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors having to go in the courtroom and tell the judge, we don't think the subpoena from the state legislature has any force. We don't think it has any validity. Mm-hmm. It's something what they're going to have to argue if they're going yeah. to try to keep 
them handing those routers over. But that's the next issue that happens before the final result of the counting is announced. Is that this issue with the routers had to be had to be litigated, mm-hmm. and that's what will be happening over the next month and a half or so. It seems clear that um, the ninjas in the Arizona Senate want to build a case that's ironclad that proves fraud from multiple angles and it can't be refuted. And that's why it's taken so long because of the stalling and because they want to be very, very thorough. Is there hope that if the Arizona audit proves that Trump won the state by hundreds of thousands of votes, could the other audits go faster or are we going to be waiting years and years for all 50 States to get done with? Go faster? Uh, probably not. Mm. Uh, they just announced uh, that they're going to be seeking to do one in Pennsylvania. The Attorney right. General of that state, who was a Democrat named Josh Shapiro, who's already screaming blue bloody motor about it, how they intend to, to stop it. They've already put out some sort of, uh, I think it was Pennsylvania, it might have been one of the other states, they're already putting out an order. You know, these counties are not supposed to cooperate with any audit request, you know. And so, yeah, they're going to fight this. Uh, you know, I think I keep saying, you know, oh, Joe Biden's going to Pennsylvania. I did just announce Joe Biden will be going to Pennsylvania. Talk about this dire threat to the sacred constitutional American right to vote. And he's going to go deal with this. He's going to try to stop that thing in Pennsylvania. So I keep telling people, I do not ever expect the Democrat to ever just roll over and give up. Because they're not going to. Mm-hmm. They're going to fight every single step of the way. They will never give up. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Biden's going to Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. I expected that. I expected them to fight this. Okay. Of course, they're going to fight it. And so I believe these audits are going to get done because too many people want them done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they're, they're waiting for everybody to go back to sleep, everything to go back the way it was before November 3rd. And uh, they can go back to the business as usual. But I think it's starting to dawn on them that it's not going to happen. Uh, Things are never going back to business as usual. So Biden can go to Pennsylvania and have a nice sound bite and try to, to, you know, have a photo op or whatever. But uh, they're not going to stop this. They tried every dirty trick they could think of to stop the Arizona audit. And it it went ahead anyway. Mm -hmm. It's going to conclude. There's nothing they can do to stop it. And if it finds what I what I believe it's going to find, then that's going to start a domino effect, a snowball effect, and we're going to immediately see all these other states. Now, some states will go faster than others if they don't if they have a Republican governor and a Republican state legislature and a Republican attorney general. Yeah, very likely it will go quicker, mm-hmm. even though they might have the Democrat counties uh, where, where the local officials are all Democrats. They'll try to fight. They'll try to obstruct. But in some states, it's going to take longer than others. But we have uh, 16 months to the midterms in 2022. And I, I I believe that this can get done. We can get enough mm-hmm. election reform done that they won't be able to cheat in 16 months. Okay. And um, I guess if Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania get done, that, that would put Trump at 279 electoral yeah. votes. So. Other states, if they're trying to resist these audits, right, they would look, um, other states would start to look a bit ridiculous if uh, one state after another 
is proven to show fraud and they're still trying to block and delay audits in other states. Yeah, I mean, if the snowball thing happens and they're proving the fraud, you know, and, and the, the, the American public, okay, there's, there's probably about 25 to 30 percent of American public on their facts. There's 30 percent of the American public, you'll never reach them no matter what. They're committed to the left. No matter what happens, they're going to stay on the left. And what's my tribe saying today? What's Big Brother need me to say today? That's what they're going to say. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then there's about 30% of America that's committed to making this happen. You've got that 40% in the middle that you can reach, that you can pull to your side. You have to make a very convincing argument. Okay? And that's what these ballistic audits are all about. They're about making that con- convincing argument. And it's, it's actually, um, like I said, the last time we were together, it's far better that this is coming from the people. This is a grassroots thing, man. This is not coming from some guy sitting up there in D.C. telling federal agents, oh, you make this happen, damn it, you make this happen right now, okay? Right. No, 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 this is the people in the states making this happen. This is not, this is not coming from Washington, D.C. Hell, Washington, D.C. is doing everything it can to try to stop this. That's why Biden's going to Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I can see this picking up steam, and, and it'll start slow. I know a lot of people are frustrated. They want this to go faster. But uh, I think I think uh, it will start slow, and then it will go incredibly fast. And by the time November 2022 gets here, uh, we're going to have more than enough election reform done. There will be more than enough people having been criminally charged for engaging in federal election fraud. Um, that we will never go back to the way things were before uh, the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, if people are punished for this, uh, it's going to cause people who are thinking of maybe doing something like this to pause and say, I don't want to go to jail like those other people did. And uh, Josh Shapiro, uh, attorney general from Pennsylvania, said that um, Senator Mastriano is the only person in Pennsylvania wants an audit and uh, they're still trying to blame Donald Trump for these audits. And like you said on Dave's uh, X 22 report yesterday, and you've told me it's a grassroots thing. That's why it's happening this way. They can't stop it because it's the, the American voters who want this. Hey, Trump's golfing in Florida. Trump, Trump's holding rallies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's having a great time, having a blast. He, he's not in charge of anything, all right? I mean, he's the spectator. That's why I, why I think Durham does what Durham's going to do. This is why this is going to be so awesome. Trump's gonna, Trump is a spectator. He's a private citizen now, all right? He's not in charge of anything. He's not running anything. Well, except maybe the GOP. He's getting more and more in mm-hmm. control of the GOP, the political party. But he's not president. He's not. He's not. You know, telling the DOJ what to do. He's not telling uh, uh, all these uh, um, governors. You know, you must have an audit in this. Okay, he encourages them. He puts out statements and stuff. But he he can't order anybody to do anything. He doesn't have any authority. That's what makes this so great. This is a true grassroots movement, and uh, and he he's uh, he's watching it from Florida and. He's going to these rallies, and, and uh, I think it, it, it just had it had to be this way. Like I've been saying, it had to be done this way. The alternative would never really have worked. 
the people say, oh, Trump needed to send in the feds, he needed to arrest people on these dates before he left the White House. He should, they never should have done that. And uh, I don't think they really understand what they're saying when they say that. They haven't really thought that all the way through. Okay, so Trump pursued the right strategy, and right now we have a storm. The storm is the people. The storm is the grassroots movement that they can't control. And um, I want to do a, a brief aside here. I saw an example of that in South Carolina the other day. My friend Tracy Diaz, who goes by Tracy Bean, she does the Dark Delight podcast. Yeah. She's the uh, chief editor of Uncovered DC. Uh, there was a. Uh, um, oh. <laughs> The guy that runs the, the, the GOP party in South Carolina, his name is Drew McKissick, he has a very low view of Trump supporters, and yep. this is the old guard. This is the guard before all these people woke up and got involved, you know, and they started, like my friend Tracy ran for Horry County Executive Chair, and so she got elected to, her, to, to that position in her county. She got involved. She's not just a spectator anymore. She got one of these you know, millions of Americans across the country say, I'm done watching, I'm getting involved. And she got up and she got involved, okay? There were a lot of people like that in South Carolina, and the old guard and the GOP establishment is not happy right now. They just had three of the top people in the Greenville um, County GOP resigned the other day. They say, okay, these are old guard people. They're used to doing things their way. And all of a sudden, they have a lot of MAGA Trump-supporting people and all the rank and file, and, and, the, and they want to do things a different way. Finally, uh, these Greenville leadership people said, I've had enough of these people. We quit. Right. And so, uh, obviously, Trump supporters are going to replace them. And so Drew McKissick, the guy that's the GOP chair in South Carolina, comes out the other day and says, uh, that county is a write-off for the next year and a half. It's going to be like a leper colony. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> he said this. Okay, it was reported in the news. He said this. And so uh, a very low opinion of uh, Trump people, of Trump supporters. And, uh, and so, but this is, this is one of the things that happens. This is the grassroots movement. The mm -hmm. old-time establishment people who are desperately waiting for everybody to go back to sleep and forget November 3rd and go on home and let the pros be the pros and let them go back to business as usual, okay? They're really getting upset. They're getting upset that that's not happening. And I think that what happened in South Carolina that day is another example of that. This is the grassroots movement. It's not dying. It's growing. And it's not going away. Yeah. Um, so that leads me to something else I wanted to talk to you about. So Drew, McK Drew McKissick was endorsed by Donald Trump. Uh, he yeah. ran against Linwood. Uh, he won. Who, you know, Linwood says there was fraud there. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. But Donald Trump endorsed him. Donald Trump did not say anything negative about Linwood. He said, uh, Drew McKissick won against a very formidable and talented opponent. It was the only thing, as, as I recall, Trump said about Lynn Wood. Now, um, there's been some kerfuffle on your channel, Telegram, and Lynn Wood's channel. Lynn Wood's made some really dramatic uh, allegations against Chief Justice John Roberts, against Mike Pence, really kind of shocking allegations. Now, Linwood says this is what he heard from a whistleblower. 
He didn't claim to have seen things directly, but he said the whistleblower told him. And you've called him out and you said, well, that was seven months ago. So what's happening? Have you seen these videos? Has anybody else seen these videos? What's going on with this uh, allegation you made in January? So tell us about that. What happened there between uh, you and Lim Wood? Well, I'll tell you what. If some guy out there has videotapes that show the chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States on videotape being involved with the brutal rape and murder of a child, and that mm-hmm. he, and not just him, but all these other powerful, influential people are also being blackmailed by some sort of criminal gang involved in these type of, you know, rape and murder of children. Okay. A Watergate scandal would be right here. And the scandal you're talking about would be so big it can't even be measured. Mm-hmm. That would be the biggest story of all time. Everything else Correct. would be dwarfed by it. Yep. Right? Okay. Yep. So, seven months ago, these claims are made. Yeah. Lynn Wood comes out and says, I talked to this guy, sat down with him. I believe he said it was for five days. He saw documents that this gentleman showed him, and uh, he found he found the guy very credible. Okay, well, here's the problem with that. When uh, Linwood was saying all the stuff back in January, I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to that. I had other things going on. I was, I was on the way to the Ellipse on January 6th. I was there. I was traveling. I wasn't paying attention to a lot of this stuff. Okay, but I am aware that there was a guy on Twitter, he goes by the Twitter handle, John Here to Help, and he had been trying to sell a lot of his tall tales for about three years now. He's trying to sell them to people like me and Tracy Beans and Harold, Harold Wren. He goes by Harold Fitz. Sometimes he's on the library channel on Telegram. He's tried to sell some of his tall tales to other researchers like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we spotted this guy right right away. He was trying to sell us crap, and so okay. But I didn't realize until recently, a whistleblower that Lynn Wood brought out and threw his arms around and said, "I've checked this guy out. I find this guy credible. I trust what this. I believe what this guy's telling me. I, I believe." Mm-hmm. So I believe John Roberts says, "Yeah, this guy told me this. I believe." Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, Lynn Wood is a very charismatic guy. He's a very influential guy. Mm-hmm. And I know he put the transcripts online. He's probably telling people, you know, you need to go and check this guy out yourself and see if this guy is, uh, is what he says. You go look for yourself, okay? But that's, I understand how the rule world works, okay? People are lazy. They're yeah. constantly looking for authority figures to tell them what they believe. Right. So Linwood may have had the best of intentions, but when he says, I find this guy credible, and that's, for a lot of the people that follow him, that's essentially giving that guy, that whistleblower, the official stamp of approval. Well, if Linwood trusts this guy, that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so what, I'm, what I've been trying to say to Lynn is, you would be well served seven months on to go back 
and look again at this guy because I think he's a con man. I think he's a grifter. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, okay, he gives me some background on this guy, John Hildehope. His, his real name appears to be Dr. Jonathan. He calls himself a doctor, of course, but there's no evidence he's a doctor. He calls himself Dr. John McGreevy. Mm-hmm. You know, for a while, he went by the alias Ryan Dark White. Okay. And this guy was busted in, I believe it was 2015. He was busted. Um, he had been claim, been pretending to have uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, in order to get opioid pills via Medicare. He was basically defrauding Medicare. And so when they when the authorities finally raided his apartment and they found, or he was a convicted felon before this, by the way, they found guns and ammunition, which he wasn't legally able to have. And they also found 14,000 opioid tablets in his apartment. You know, they didn't can't prove he's selling it, of course. They didn't charge him with that. But uh, he did do 27 months in prison. Uh, and he did. He came out of prison having a $100,000 fine because he defrauded Medicare of all this, uh, all this opioid pills. So that's the bad thing. Yeah, when he sits down with Lynn Wood, he spends this incredible yarn. It's Rod Rosenstein and his dirty trick squad in Baltimore who came after me, and they destroyed all my educational records, and they, and they, they mailed me all these drugs. And they set me up. You know, he's got an explanation for everything. They turned themselves into the victim of a massive government plot to explain his drug conviction. Okay, and Lynn Wood put a lot of faith in this guy. Lynn Wood uh, and brought this guy out and endorsed him. That I believe the tale of this guy is telling me about the encrypted videotapes that you know. It's not just a family show. I can't even describe some of this stuff. He said that. Uh, Mike Pence is a homo, closet homosexual. The, he has videotapes where he has uh, sexual assignations with his multiple gay lovers. And I have all this on videotape. And of course, they have videotapes of prominent people being rape, either being forced uh, or, rape, or raping kids, having sex with kids. But then they were surprised when the, when the child is murdered on video. And, they, and this guy, Dr. John McGree, he claims he has all this evidence. He has it. Okay, and, and that's not even the most bizarre thing. There's two other bizarre things I, I tell you now. I don't want to keep, keep going for too long, but this, this is this amazing where this goes. Okay, he's also given interviews. He never appears in public. Remember, he's, like, he's in hiding from Rod Rosenstein and the Dirty Trick. Squad from Baltimore. They have to kill him, you see. So he never, he only does his interviews by phone. He's a voice and they show a silhouette or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's claiming he's on the run, all right? No, he never does an interview in person. So I watched several of these interviews that he's given. And one of them, he starts talking about what he calls the Project Deep Space Nine technology. Basically, he claims the deep state has been able to crack or force its way into a new dimension. And in this new dimension, they are able to seize energy. And Ryan Dark White called it the word of God, the power or the force that was used to create the universe. 
And so they've taken the word of God and they've crammed it into this machine. And they are capturing the energy from this other dimension. And they are using it to do things like um, control people's minds. Mm-hmm. They use it as a mind control way. Okay. And I'll send you the link to this interview. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like an hour, 23 minutes long. It's all kinds of amazing stuff. Okay, one of the claims he makes is that Rod Rosenstein and Dirty Trick Squad captured him and tortured him. You know, why they never just kill him, I have no idea. He's on the run, they're hiding. They can't find him, you know. <laughs> and those are all powerful deep state agents. He's been successfully on the run from, from them for all this time. They can't find him. Oh, but they did catch him once and they tortured him, you see, and they tied him down. And they waterboarded him by dumping diesel fuel and kerosene on his face and partially blinding him. Okay, so during this interview that I watched, he claims that this deep space nine interdimensional ray healed his face of all the damage that had been done by the waterboarding, by the diesel fuel. And not only that, it changed the color of his eyes from blue to gray. Interesting. So he makes, <laughs> he makes all these claims, okay? And wait, it gets better. I'm telling you, it gets better, okay? okay. This guy... I believe now, based on the endorsement and all the attention he got from from being promoted by Lynn Wood, this I call him the fat the phantom candidate. Okay, this guy who never appears in public anywhere, who's only a Twitter account or a disembodied voice in interviews, is running for Congress. He's running for Congress in Maryland. He's running. He's running for a Maryland Senate seat next year in the 2022 midterms. He's, on, he's got an official FEC page and everything. He promotes it on his Twitter account. He promotes it on his John Hooter Hope website. So he's been fundraising for this Senate campaign that he's running. And basically, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if anybody's ever accomplished this. They've ever run for public office while never making a single public appearance. Yeah. So it's just bizarre. So what I've been trying to do and I've been trying to get Lynn Wood to say, you know, you might want to go back and look at this guy again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, you've said, you've raised so many great points. And I think a lot of people, like, I don't consider myself lazy, but I consider myself very busy. And I can't listen to a six-hour okay, mumbled yeah. uh, interview of this guy, you know? I want to believe it when Linwood says something. I want to be able to to take it seriously and believe it because I'm, believe. because I'm busy, right? And they um, want to believe, and that, that's what this guy feeds on. He feeds on yeah. people want to believe. You want to hear a story, you want to believe. I'll tell you a story, and that's yeah. what they do. And I think um, the the thing with this information or lies in general, they're effective when they're there's something that appears to be true within it. So it's possible, for example, John Roberts is corrupt, but that he never raped anybody or killed anybody, right? So you think, well, I believe John Roberts is corrupt. So it makes you want to listen to a story like that. And uh, you you make a great point. Okay, because there's people that talk about the uh, Hillary Clinton eats babies. Right. They're part of a a cannibalistic and I'm like, look, Hillary Clinton is corrupt to the guild, all right? 
He's, he's a payoff method. He knows all about selling influence and peddling access. Right? And I'm sure these people get paid off by the cartels. They make big money from human trafficking and human smuggling. Yes. But oh, you end up when you end up saying, I'm a part of a satanic cult that eats babies, okay? You end up making the rest of us look like lunatics. There's no right. reason to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It makes us look crazy and um, diminishes the number of people that want to listen to us about anything. So I know, I mean, I'm suspicious of some of these allegations, not um, eating babies, but, you know, the child trafficking and the human trafficking. When you see, you know, the Epstein story that was, you know, really tried to kept quiet and what's happening at the border, it's like, you know, what, what Trump did with the wall and his deal with Mexico to slow down human trafficking. And it just proved that, you know, if people wanted to stop that crap, they could stop it. They could stop it pretty easily. But obviously some of these officials are complicit. They're involved in it. They're profiting from it. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't happen. It would just get shut down, you know, so... You know how much money these cartels are making? It's obvious yeah. they bribe officials along the border on both. Hey, I said, right. Oh, corrupt Mexican officials. Yeah, guess what? They bribe people on the other side of the border, too. You know, they're people they bribe in Texas and Arizona and California. Absolutely. They, they, they bribe that. We're talking about billions of dollars changing mm-hmm. hands here and the human trafficking um, industry, the network that they have going on down there. And people mm-hmm. are paid off with what happens. Yeah, I have no doubt that a lot of these people that in the in the government uh, are where where they're getting their money under the table. Uh, I have very strong suspicions about where they're getting a lot of it. It's not just all coming from the CCP. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's other countries that are and, uh, um, organizations, not countries, or organizations mm-hmm. that are that are making their uh, under the table donations. To the to these elite class members, yeah. And uh, so you don't need to go straight into some weird crap about you know uh, satanic cult. You don't need to do that. Yep. And uh, you made a great point about why this is really dangerous for the the MAGA movements for conservatives to latch on to the wrong people. Um, you get the example of Kim Klasik. Uh I think she was running for Congresswoman in D.C. Or Baltimore. And um, I saw her videos and I saw her speeches and I thought, this person's amazing. This is awesome. Right? She's going to be a great congresswoman. And it turns out there was a whole bunch of stuff about her that was suppressed and end up, um, you know, wasting money. We probably couldn't have won that seat anyways, but it was a waste of money to send donations to this person who couldn't win. Explain the Kim Klasik story to us. How many states do we end up losing in winnable races in places like Texas and Florida and New Mexico and places like that? Because, you know, I I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure I sent Kim, Kim Klasik some money myself. I may have sent her 50 bucks or 100 mm-hmm. bucks. I have to go back and look. But, yeah, I saw those same videos, and I was impressed, too. And uh, and see, she raised something like I forget how much it was—six or seven million dollars. I don't, 
All that, well, that's probably the vast majority of that money came from outside Baltimore because of those videos that, uh, that, that, that were made. They were very well-made videos. And, uh, and yes, as you mentioned, that she had a past. And it wasn't that long ago. She had actually been working as a stripper. Her husband was a manager, and she was working at a well-known gentleman's club in Baltimore. And mm-hmm. somehow... She runs for Congress, and she runs for a Senate seat in Maryland, and nobody finds this out, and nobody, mm-hmm. the, the past never came up, and it isn't until Candace Owens did this video on uh, Facebook about, I believe it was three weeks ago, um, it start, starts coming out that this, this person that ran for Congress had, until very recently, before she started her political career, he had been stripping in a gentleman's club. Mm-hmm. And so I'm writing a column right now for EPOC. I'm hoping to have it in sometime today or tomorrow. And telling the GOP, hey, we have a serious betting problem here, okay? Mm-hmm. You're waiting too long to bet these people before the primaries get here. And, you know, the, the thing about our primary system is that about 80 to, 85 to 90 percent of the voters do not participate in primary elections. And that what that means is you just need a small group of committed people to get in there, activists mm-hmm. to get in there, or um, the other party giving you a winger candidate, you know, to get in there and pick your candidate for you. And by mm-hmm. the time the general gets here, the general election in November, this is all decided. This is the choices you have. You're like, oh, my God. What happened? You know, well, you didn't vote in the primary. You weren't paying attention. Small group of people. A small group of people got in there and they picked your candidate for you. Yeah. And that's how these people like Ken Classic and these others, nobody checks them out. You think somebody would be checking them out, looking into their background. Mm-hmm. But that often doesn't happen. And so I'm writing this column telling the GOP, better up our game. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because people are just taking it at the, uh, for granted right now. Oh, we're going to get our election reform done. We're going to get it all done. We're going to clean up. We're going to seize control of the House and the Senate in 2022. Well, I'm saying if we do as bad a job betting our candidates in the primaries that we did in 2020 and 2018, maybe not. Maybe that won't happen. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty obvious there's a lot of corruption within the GOP, too. So I, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but it might be more accurate to say that uh, they did check her out and they let it happen because they were trading that seat for a different seat or something like it's I don't think it's possible that anybody in the GOP knew about didn't know about Kim Klesik. Oh, right? People knew about okay, it and I- they let it happen. I'm pretty sure the Democrats from Baltimore knew all about her. Right. I mean, Queasy, she was running against Queasy and Freeman. Right. Her real name is something like Frizzell or something like that. It goes by Queasy and Freeman. Okay. <laughs> and um, they, they, if they did, I'm sure they did opposition research. I mean, they said, this is, ex- okay. I had people ask me, well, why didn't they blow the whistle? Why didn't the Democrats say, hey, that lady was a stripper and sacred campaign? I'm like, why would they do that? Yeah. Why Why would they blow the whistle? You want to run against somebody like that. Well, everybody on the know who actually votes in Baltimore knows the score. Okay. Right. 
Nationally, nobody knew. That's why I said would have raised all that money. But if you're Queen and Freeman, that's exactly the kind of person you want to run against. So you don't mm-hmm. don't say anything. Yeah, and you're you're he was uh, able to siphon money from other GOP races, like you explained. So that's the that's a perfect strategy for Democrats. Just let her go, let her suck up all that money and attention. Yeah. And that'll help it's us in other closer races. Million bucks. Yeah. And that, they could have used that to win races in other states. You know, there are there are there are very close races that we lost in Texas. There were some very close races that were lost in California, that were lost in Florida. You know, even though those are, you know, Texas and Florida are red states, there's still plenty of Democratic House reps that win mm. the races. Yeah. As we could have been more competitive in those. But, you know, King Classic up there in Baltimore drew all that money. And so I'm saying we need to be smarter as we get ready for the primary season in 2022. We need to vet these candidates. There are a lot of fringe and lunatic candidates out there, and some of them are ringers. Uh, we, better get, we better get in a position where we can spot them and get them out so we're running real candidates to have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Do you have a theory why Donald Trump would endorse Drew McKissick for G, um, GOP chair in South Carolina? Was it because um, he views uh, Linwood as a little bit unstable and there was nobody better or uh, something else? Or does Donald Trump make mistakes with these endorsements? What do you think? Sometimes. I've been told by people that live in South Carolina, there was nobody better. I mean, it looked mm-hmm. weird, you know, because Linwood would, um, had a law firm in Georgia. It fell apart. The partners left the firm and sued him, mm-hmm. uh, claiming uh, abuse by him and uh, a violation of a, uh, a wood-sharing agreement. Yeah, to be so fair, he, those uh, people I mean, have not showed up. Those, to be fair, those people have not showed up for depositions, so um, it's yeah, kind of hard to say what happened. Too. Yeah. And so he leaves Georgia and he moved to South Carolina. It was, it was like, I mean, I kind of joke about it. Like, 10 minutes after he moved to South Carolina, they're asking him to run for GOP chair against Dean McKesson. Mm-hmm. I think he actually been there two months, something like that. But, um, you know, he, he literally just moved there. Does he even know anybody? Does he even know anybody in the South Carolina GOP? And that I've been told by people who live there who were involved in this grassroots Trump movement in that state. There was nobody better. They, they literally had to draft Lynn because there was nobody better. Mm-hmm. And of course, Donald Trump is a pragmatist. I've talked about this. Yeah, Trump is a pragmatist, pragmatist. People think, you know, that they get all excited about some person that's draped themselves in the MAGA uh, mantle. And they get all excited about that person. And then Trump picks that guy over there. He picks somebody else. And this was a perfect example of that because we all know how popular Linwood is with a large segment of the of the Trump base. Right. And so it was like a no-brainer. You endorse Linwood. You have to endorse Linwood. And then Trump picked this other guy. Well, if there were reasons for picking McKissick, as much as uh, a lot of my friends and Trump people in South Carolina don't like Dean McKissick. I don't think we're not like this guy. Right. Um, 
He's been there for years. He understands the politics in the state. He understands the local thing. He understands the Democrats in that state. Now, he had led the GOP party to significant gains in mm. recent elections. So, yeah. He, yeah, he may be a wino. He, he may be a person who doesn't, is not on board with Trump, who, who views Trump people as the hassle of the pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when Trump had to choose, well, this is the choice he has. Drew McKissick, Lynn Wood. Okay, that's the mm. choice he's offered. Yeah. And he got to make the pragmatic choice, and so he did. Okay, fair enough. So um, tell us about John Durham. What, where is he? What's taking so long? Does he, like, type one finger at a time? Why does it take so long to, uh, to um, process this, to, to move it forward? Is it the election audits or is there some reason that we haven't heard anything significant well the thing with john durham is you look at the scope of this thing there's never been an investigation like this before it started in 2017 Mm -hmm. see people say how come there's nothing there's nothing happening in the last you know since william barr introduced us all to this guy in what was it, June of 2019, and I'm like, oh, you have no idea. This did not start with uh, William Barr introducing you to John Durham in June of 2019. This started in April of 2017. This started two years before a lot of people even think it did. So the scope of this thing is, uh, let me give an example. Remember the Ken Starr uh, special counsel from the 1990s, Ken Starr yeah. was a special counsel that was, a, that was tasked with investigating the Whitewater uh, scandal. Right. And uh, what happened is uh, he was investigating Bill and Larry Clinton and their business associates. And, a, and a, a, it, was, it was started out as a real estate thing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they found out that, uh, kind of a PG way to say this, uh, Bill Clinton was having sexual relations with a White House intern in the Oval Office, and he was encouraging everybody who knew about it to commit perjury under oath mm-hmm. when they were asked about it. And so it it went from a simple uh, um, land scam, real estate scam, into this other uh, blew up into a sex then and got that gave it a lot of national attention that it hadn't mm-hmm. had before. And so the media and the Democrats spent two years uh, making Ken Starr and his investigative team international pariahs. Right. I mean, there was a time where I would get up in the morning and turn on the TV, and CNN and all these other media people would be camped outside Ken Starr's house. Yeah. Just so they could film him walking out of the house and walking to his car, and they could yell some questions at him, and he could smile and wave, have, he had a briefcase in one hand, his newspaper in the other, you know, with his glasses on, his white hair, just wave at him and get in his car, and they did this for months. Right. And they said it was just about sex. He was an inquisitor. He and his team were a bunch of prudes, you know, and they, uh, I call it the Ken Starr treatment now. Give me somebody the Ken Starr treatment. And they went after Ken Starr and his whole team went after them uh, relentlessly for months. Okay. 
In Louisiana, you don't hear anything about Durham. In Louisiana, there's never been any leaks from outside the Durham investigation, from inside the Durham investigation. There's never been any leaks and going on five years. Because mm-hmm. when they set this up, somebody said, they, the meaning the Democrats and the media, are never going to be in a position where they can give John Durham and his investigative team the Karen Starr treatment. It, yeah, they are never going to be in a position where they can do that while they are investigating. Mm-hmm. Now I'm telling you, when he starts unsealing indictments, and he, he, and he still opens this thing up, they're going to come after him with scorched earth tactics. They're going to do everything they can to come after him. Yeah. Okay. But up until then, you're not going to hear anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a trigger He's a ghost that can't find He's a ghost, him. yeah. How are they supposed to give him the Ken Star treatment? They can't find him. He's a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there um, a trigger point that his uh, indictments... His report. I have no idea. You don't know. So, um, just as a hypothetical scenario, uh, let's say it's proven beyond any possible doubt that uh, Donald Trump won Arizona by hundreds of thousands of votes. This opens up the concept in people's minds that cheating was not only possible, but it happened. And it calls into question every single state that Joe Biden supposedly won. In people's minds, like we haven't, we've only proved, proven one state, but now you've got a majority of people saying, you know what, not only is this possible, we see that it happened. And uh, a sizable percentage of Democrats start to believe it, including uh, people who supported Bernie Sanders in the primary. And they say, you know what, Donald Trump was right. This whole system is corrupt. Everything is right. What happens? Does Joe Biden get impeached? Is he forced to resign? Like, what do you think would happen in August if we get a report that says Trump won Arizona by 350,000 votes and it's irrefutable? That's going to trigger a lot of reactions nationwide. What's going to happen is uh, we will be in uncharted territory. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there are people that argue about this. I've seen a lot of people arguing about this since then. If you put, okay, the, the people take position, even if you prove the election fraud, it's too late. Mm-hmm. They already held the vote in Congress. Yeah. The states already certified, and then Vice President Mike Pence counted those votes in the congressional chamber that day, that awful day, in the Capitol building. It's over. There's there's no do-overs, there's no going back. Okay. But, mm, is there anything that says a state having certified a vote then becomes aware of fraud? Forensically, okay, forensic evidence shown to the state legislature proved that they certified a fraud. Okay. Can they revoke the certification. Say, well, of course not. There's a law that says, oh yeah, where is it? I've never seen it. Right. Well, the law that says the state legislature that certified the election 
cannot revoke that certification. Mm -hmm. Now, two, uh, the count was held on January uh, 6th. They held the count, and it, it happened. But the states can say, we are taking back our certification. We revoke it. Arizona can revoke it. Pennsylvania can revoke it. Georgia can revoke it. Okay. So I know people spend scenarios. I even have some friends that spend this scenario, but they're theories. They spend theories. Right. Where, okay, when states revoke these certifications, they take it back. There's some way where Trump goes back into the White House. Mm-hmm. Like Biden is kind of forced out somehow. Mm-hmm. And Trump comes back in. Okay, I've looked at these theories. Okay, I'll tell you what, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. But it may not be until 2024, okay? But I tell you what, it's, it's important that the election fraud gets proven, that we see it, everybody mm-hmm. knows it happened. And if you have states that, that uh, vote to decertify, mm-hmm. okay, they take that certification they did and they revoke it. They say, we vote now to take this back. Mm-hmm. That's going to have a major impact. Now, so whether that leads to Trump coming back or not, I don't know. Yeah. But it will it, it will certainly completely delegitimize the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, that no, everybody will know Biden didn't really win. Yep. And we're going to be in uncharted territory. Yeah. I don't see the mechanism to reinstate Donald Trump, but I also don't see how Harris and Biden can serve out a full term when it's proven that they didn't win. Like, how, how can they just sit there? and give speeches and sign legislation. I mean, it just seems impossible to me. Like Richard Nixon was forced to resign for way, way, way less than that. So how do do you just say, well, I'm the president. When everybody knows you cheated, it'd be like Lance Armstrong going around saying, well, I won. I won. Nobody would take you seriously. Nobody would listen to you. Let me run a scenario by you. Sure. I don't think Trump is running for House Speaker in 2022. I don't see that happen. Okay. Let me paint this scenario for you, okay? The audits prove the fraud. The states revoke their certification. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows Biden doesn't deserve to be there. Right. But he still has to come out and talk. (laughs) He still has to come out and play a role. and it's increasingly obvious that, that he's a, that he only he's the only there to bribe. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what little support he already had is bleeding away. They by saying how inept and corrupt. And you hear about Hunter Biden, they're, they're gonna set up Hunter Biden to sell paintings for like up to five hundred thousand dollars to secret donors whose identity they're going to hide. You know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, can you imagine Donald Trump Jr. doing that? So, hey, I just take a painting. I'm gonna be, I just decide I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to make these paintings. I'm going to sell these paintings to secret donors for up to $500,000 each. <laughs> and have media camping outside his house if he did that. They ask him about it. Okay. So I have all this corruption going on. Okay. And so... Um, not only is, do, I, do I believe the Durham investigation is real, the, the FBI investigation into the Biden crime family is real. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something here. You very well could see if that FBI investigation, that Hunter Biden wrapped up, but it all comes out 
instead just drip, drip, dripping it out in the Daily Mail and uh, the New York Post, they they release what they find and they indict people. Okay, you really well could see Biden resign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He will resign. Now, that doesn't mean Trump became president. That just means we move to Kamala Harris, okay? And let, let me tell you something that I, I, I've noticed about Kamala Harris in the uh, five years that I've been paying attention to her. Um, if you think Biden is incompetent and he's never accomplished anything, and he's, he is not a leader, and he is, he is too small for the office, Wait until you get a load of Kamala Harris, <laughs> because she is three times, three or four times worse than Biden. Mm-hmm. So we could see her getting impeached for sheer incompetence, even with the Democrats in control. Yeah. They may do it as a matter of survival. Yep. After, uh, uh, of course, I believe the Republicans are going to take control in 2022. Well, we could very well see uh, Harris being impeached or or through sheer incompetence. Yeah. Then we would end up with Nancy Pelosi as president for a couple of, a year or two. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> okay. You want to talk about a massive red wave so big, e- even if they tried to cheat, they wouldn't be able to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I said this immediately, immediately after it happened. They're stealing this election very likely doomed them because, mm-hmm. because it's all going to come out anyway, what they did and and p- people are going to have to live under uh, Biden and then Harris and then maybe even Pelosi right. for a while and they're going to get a good dose of why you never ever should ever put Democrats in charge ever again. Ever again, yeah. And Pelosi I think has got problems with uh, the January 6th fiasco as well so i mean all of these people could be exposed around the same time it's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds like you said it's completely unprecedented and uh, it's going to be interesting probably one of the dumbest mistakes nancy pelosi ever made going ahead and setting that january 5th commission i mean what was the narrative there was like? Well, see, Trump gave this speech at the ellipse, and he whipped that crowd up, and then he pointed it at the Congress, and he said, go get him. And I remember yeah. the crowd rushed down Pennsylvania Avenue and stormed into the Capitol building and tried to assassinate Mike Pence. They tried to break the door down and go around and stop Mike Pence counting those votes. <laughs> That yeah, was ridiculous. that was always incoherent. I was there. I knew that didn't happen. I was there for the beginning part of it. Yeah, I knew this didn't happen. Okay, and we've seen nothing but more and more evidence come out since then. You know, the video. It's the one one thing that that the January Sixth Commission can't do. It cannot create a new timeline. The the videos of that day and the timelines created from that day. Is indisputable. Trump was still speaking. He hadn't even finished speaking yet. Yep. And this planned attack, planned by these radical groups, had already started yeah. at the Capitol building, even before Trump finished his speech. So mm-hmm. they cannot create a new timeline. We already know that a lot of these groups uh, that were doing this, the Oath Keepers and others, were infiltrated by the FBI. We already know there was a lot of stuff going on that, that, that's come out. 
The narrative they stole for that second imp impeachment of Donald Trump, when they stole the narrative, he he unleashed that mob. Mm -hmm. He he unleashed an insurrection on Congress. It, it 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 is a false narrative. It's not true. The evidence shows it's not true. This commission isn't going to be able to change that. They're going to run there and they'll sit down and they'll blab, they'll blab away and they'll have their exhibits and everything. But they're not creating a new timeline. Everybody already knows what order these things happened in. Oh, yeah. So Nancy Pelosi made a mistake there. Yeah, I saw an interview with uh, Cash Patel the other day and he said that uh, the Trump White House told the Capitol Police, Mayor uh, Bowser, and Nancy Pelosi's office that they suspected something might happen and they offered 10,000 National Guard troops and they were told, no, forget it. They were they were pushed back on when they suggested sending National Guard troops to protect the Capitol and uh, Pelosi, Bowser, and the Capitol Police said, uh, no, thanks, we're good. Did you hear that report? Yes. Yeah. So, so on the one hand, they're saying, hey, Trump, Trump unleashed the mob after we made sure there weren't any National Guard there yeah. to control the situation. That's a, the whole thing is an incoherent mess. And, you know, good luck, Nancy. Good luck, good luck with that January 6th commission. I wish you the best of luck. It's not going to change anything. There's, there's, there's no way they can change the timeline. Trump was two hours late for that speech. The assault on the Capitol building by these radical groups who managed to infiltrate the crowd of Trump supporters and start, start to, to commit vandalism on that building and break into it. That was already underway long before Trump finished talking. Yeah, so, definitely. I don't but, see that going anywhere. Right. Brian, um, any final words to the audience? Well, we're in a place now where we need the Trump supporting base, the Republicans and the, and all the people that are angry about that election theft and they want action and they want they want to see results. We need to be more sober and rational than we ever have been. Because there are people out there that are gonna show up and they're gonna tell you tales, they're gonna tell you stories, and they're gonna try to get you wound up and they're gonna they're, they're gonna tell you a story and it'll be like music to your ears. It'll be exactly what you want here. That's going to be crap. Mm -hmm. This happened back in January. Like I said, I think Lynn Wood got taken by this guy. But a lot of people wanted to believe. They were, oh, this explains everything. You know, they want to believe. And so they get sucked into this. And they got lured down a rabbit hole. Okay. And we mm -hmm. need to be more sober, sober and rational than we've ever been. Yep. Because there are other people that are getting ready to prepare rabbit holes to try to lure you to go down this rabbit hole. We need to be ready for that because we're entering a time now that's very crucial in, in the history of our nation. We're getting ready for, um, I saw um, one of our Texas congressmen at the CPAC Texas last night talk about how this is the most important election ever that's coming up. It's the one that's going to determine it all. We, we, we're either going to gonna rise up or we're gonna fall forever you know if they mm -hmm. unless we get this fixed we've got 16 months to do it in so this is a crucial election coming up yeah and we don't we we don't want to watch uh, a lot of people getting distracted and led down fan you know by fantasists 
being led down some fantasy rabbit hole mm-hmm. and where they're not doing any good. That's one thing I why I don't like conspiracy theories. They convince you to be passive. Oh, well, if the government's you know, screwing everything up, they're in complete control. There's nothing I can do about it. And you sit on your ass and you give up. Yeah. No, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. Okay. That's why I don't like conspiracy theories. I think we need to be more active and more sober and more rational than ever. That's right. That, that would be my final words. Thank you. I agree. Get involved at the local level, school board, local precinct, um, and get involved. And uh, don't don't get sidetracked by all these fantasies and conspiracy theories. Get to work. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Uh, hope we do this again in a couple of weeks. Oh, me too. Yeah, we want to do it again. I, you know, my, by the time we get together in a couple of weeks, I bet even more stuff will have happened. So, totally. That was good to talk to you, Luke. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Newtown Big Dreams podcast with your host, Luke Menkes, and his authentic guests. And we love our listeners and hope you subscribe now to learn more about the amazing journeys of our incredible guests who relocated to find a new town, big dreams. And remember, make your dreams big.